0: Hi, welcome to Nutra champion a podcast series where we speak with experts specialising in nutrition research, including scientists, doctors and policy makers. Here, we will find out more about their research journey, their career and even some personal life lessons. I'm Ting Ming, the editor of Nutra ingredients Asia and your host for this podcast. You can listen to our past episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Our guest today is Professor Malena Kruger, Professor in Nutritional Physiology at New Zealand's Massey University. Specialising in the research of dairy foods, bioactives, lipids and their effects on bone health, Prof. Kruger has led a number of clinical trials on well-known consumer products, such as Fonterra's and Lean milk supplementation and its effects on grip strength, bone density and vitamin D levels in women. More recently, she has been involved in a number of research related to New Zealand's High Value Nutrition National Science Challenge, where she analysed the potential health benefits of local foods, such as pamu deer milk and green shell mussel, which we will talk about in this podcast. Originally from South Africa, Prof Kruger taught at the University of Pretoria before joining Massey University in year 2000. Yeah, hi Prof Kruger, thank you for taking the time for this podcast. I read that one of your latest research projects is on palmu deer milk and there has been some findings released regarding the effects of palmu deer milk on muscle mass among older women. So for a start, could you explain to us what exactly is palmu deer milk and how is it different from the other types of milk?
1: The deer milk, specifically New Zealand palmu deer milk, um, has a higher protein concentration than cow's milk, for example, contains 7.5 grams per 100 gram and 100 ml, sorry, and it contains higher calcium, for example, Um, for 200 ml dose that we gave the woman, it contains 623 milligrams of calcium. Um, So, Cow's milk is about 250 milligrams for a cup, and this would be a little bit higher than that. But then, um, this deer milk is not fortified, you know, from external sources. So, it is naturally fortified in with potassium phosphorus, magnesium. It contains vitamin A and vitamin C and some of the B vitamins. Um so that is so it's not fortified, but it does. It is enriched in those in comparison to cow's milk, for example. Um, also, this milk is very digestible for people with lactose intolerance. So which means it has a, a can have a broader Um, range of participants or people using it because we know lactose intolerance is quite frequent in Asian populations or in Asia. Um, And so this wouldn't cause, like cow's milk could cause tummy upsets if people take it for a long time or so. And the deer milk seems to be quite digestible. And we had not too many comments about gastrointestinal um, discomfort when we did the study.
0: I see. And then uh, I guess this uh, palmu deer, this is uh, from New Zealand? Is that the case? Yeah, Yeah, the
1: farm is is in the South Island. um, Mm -hmm. And so palmu is a part of Land Corp, which is a large company in New Zealand. And they farm with cows as well, but the deer milk is a side farming process that they have.
0: I see. All right, so how did the idea of researching Pamu deer milk for its nutritional value come about? So
1: the company, Pamu, um apparently they have a very good market profile in korea and in vietnam but more around children and children's growth and they because the dml contains such a high protein concentration they thought it might be of use for the elderly now we know that as we age even after the age of 40 our muscle mass will start decreasing um, and that the muscle cells are replaced by fat cells and so if we can maintain protein intake and also physical activity, which is really important for muscle maintenance. Um, it can help us to age slower and reduce the, the loss of muscle. And so Pamu was interested in looking at the deer milk as a nutraceutical or a supplement for the elderly population. Um, now in New Zealand, we have a 10 national science challenges. And one of those um, was called High Value Nutrition. And it is uh, funded by the government from the Ministry of Business, Innovation and and Employment. And they had calls out for uh, industry-linked research from the universities. And so um, we applied to this high-value nutrition. And of course, PAMU had to contribute to the research costs, but they also had to do a lot of in-kind, like provide all the deer milk samples and also the comparator control drink that we were looking at. Um, And so that was their contribution, but then the actual funding came from high-value nutrition. And, um, And yes, so, High Value Nutrition has over the 10 years, past 10 years, funded a lot of industry related research in New Zealand, all around nutrition, just like the muscling up work that I've done that is the same funder in collaboration with a different industry
0: partner. Mm. Yeah, indeed. I think this high-value nutrition challenge is very well known. Yeah, because we yes. have been writing, you know, some of the yes. progress updates yes. from the different projects, like on kiwi yes. fruit from yes. you know green shell muscle. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. 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 So, no, good they they've done good work. It's a lot of human study work, so it's not you know it's very relevant. All the work.
0: Indeed, so for this Palmo deer milk project, right, research project, could you share some of the key findings that you all have found so far? Yes, um, mm-hmm.
1: so the the study was 11 weeks and we compared deer milk to a, an over-the-counter nutritional supplement and 100, 102 women completed the study. Um, We found that there were no difference in the percentage change in malnutrition. So we did have a few women with low body weight and malnutrition, um, but there was no difference in the change in the two groups. So they were similar. Um, But there was a trend for a change in hand grip strength with deer milk versus the uh, control group. We also did the 30-second chair stand test and the 40-meter fast-paced walk test, and both of these improved in both intervention groups with no between-group differences. But then when we looked at the intervention with statistical analysis and we controlled for nutritional status and for body mass index, There was a trend for between group difference in the change in the MNA, so that's malnutrition score, with deer milk being more improved. And there was also a between group difference between control and deer milk in the percentage change in muscle mass. So deer milk improved uh, versus the control. And this was in women with a higher BMI, so BMI over 25. And the hand grip strength, interestingly, significantly improved in the milk group with women that had a BMI less than 25, Um, so there would have been lower total muscle mass. Um, And this was very encouraging, so which means over time, um, a supplement such as uh, milk could improve muscle maintenance and maybe muscle strength in uh, combination with physical activity. We did measure physical activity but of course we asked the participants not to change between you know when they were doing the study and there were no uh, between group differences in physical activity we also looked at biomarkers for health such as cholesterol and triglycerides LDL HDL um, and there were slight changes but nothing significant between the two groups. We have to note that deer milk does contain quite a a lot of uh, fat. So it has 19.6 grams per 200 ml of fat um, in comparison to the control had 11.6. And most of as it's dairy fat, of course, most of it is saturated. But we also do know that there's not been um, very clear indication that dairy saturated fat could have a cardiovascular impact. Um, So because these changes were minor, um, we did not think that was a a serious side effect of the study. So it was all in all um, quite encouraging.
0: I see. So just to check, like the other OTC um, product that was being tested, the the, the control product, it's also like a milk product, like cow's milk? Um,
1: yeah, I think it's cow's milk. It's one of it's a market. It's a one that's marketed through the world, and I don't want to say the name. Um, so it, we just use it as a because it is prescribed in New Zealand for the elderly when they don't have enough appetite or their protein intake is not high enough. It's like a supplementary drink over over-the-counter nutritional supplement we call them, and we use that just as a comparator, and we expect it that maybe we could be just as good, that would have been a good finding because that product has years and years of research behind it already.
0: I see. Interesting. Yeah. And you also mentioned um, two key findings, which is how palmudia milk supplementation can be beneficial for women with both high BMI and low BMI, higher than twenty five and lower than twenty five. Yeah, I think this is quite interesting. So it's like uh, it means that it can be good for you know not just people who are malnourished, right? People who are underweight, but also people who are who are who have um you know higher BMI because it helps their muscle mass, right? And and for the lower yes. BMI, it's their hand gripped So what could be the reasons be- behind these findings? could have contributed to to, to, to to this? Is it because like of the nutritional content, like of the, you know, the protein would, content?
1: Yeah, I would, I would say that the, the increased protein intake, we know as we age, we take the intake of protein is less um, and we need about uh, one gram per kilogram um, protein intake per day. And I think with this extra supplement, we increased that over the one gram per kilogram um, body weight. Um, So, yes, providing further amino acids being available for muscle maintenance and muscle um, building, um, I think that that would have been the case here. Um, We also looked at bone biomarkers, and we also thought that the protein together with the high calcium had a good effect on um, maintenance of bone.
0: And the findings of this, um, of this uh, project, right? Is it like published in the journals already or it's a pending publication?
1: So we have two posters that will be presented at the World Congress on Osteoporosis and Osteoarthritis in Spain next month, so in three weeks time. Um, The one poster is on the physical performance measurements, and the other poster is on the bone biomarker um, findings. And um, we have submitted a full journal article to Clinical Nutrition.
0: I see. I see. I see. I see. Looking forward to that, you know, to cover the findings because we do cover the findings of human clinical uh, trials, which have, you know, uh, uh, interesting results. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, like pet health, uh, sorry, the bone health, right? Bone health is one of your pet research topics. And you were also responsible for setting up a bone research laboratory at the University of Pretoria and also uh, establishing the bone research in Messi University. So how did your research career in bone health begin? I think people will be interested to... That's a long to time ago.
1: <laughs> a long time ago. So um, when I did my honours, I did honours, masters and PhD. You know, we couldn't go from in South Africa from honours to PhD. So I was working on muscle metabolism actually. So I was looking at calcium transport in the psychoplasmic reticulum of muscle. Um, up to my PhD, so I was always interested in calcium. And then uh, when I did my postdoc, which was at University of Texas in Austin, I worked on muscle protein purification, identification, and trying to find out the function of two large proteins. So one is Titan and the other one is Nebulin. So I worked on Nebulin. Um, and then when I, uh, after the postdoc, I plan to return to South Africa, And then I was um, approached by a company which doesn't exist anymore. They were called Ephemol and they were selling... uh, fatty acids, fish oils, ebbing primrose oil and those, and they were very interested in calcium metabolism and the role that these long-chain fatty acids may play. And so I had a grant from them to return to South Africa, and then we started to focus on bone because we have shown, earlier work um, showed that um, when we supplement um, with the long-chain fatty acids, the fatty acids get built into the membranes and so in omega-3 may replace omega-6 like arachidonic acid and what i found with in vitro work is that the calcium ATPase pump which is responsible for helping calcium absorption the activity is significantly increased in the presence of long-chain fatty acids and so um, we thought that supplementation with the long-chain fatty acids especially omega-3 may increase calcium absorption and then, of course, that will impact on bone. Um, so that's when I started with bone research. And we ran with with Ephemol, um, uh, and I think they were then called Scos- Scotia Pharmaceuticals, was the Canadian company. Um, we ran a human intervention study in the elderly. So the women were more than older than 80 years of age. And we did a three-year supplementation study. So for 18 months, we had two groups. A control versus uh, a mixture of fish oil and evening primrose oil and then after the 18 months we swapped everybody onto the active supplement um, and what we saw there is that in women that received the long chain fatty acids for three years they had maintenance of bone of course at that age it's very rare to build bone but if you can reduce uh, bone loss, then that could have a long-term effect on uh, fractures, for example. Um, yes, and so the outcome that was published in Aging, I think number 1986 or somewhere. That's a long time ago. And um, yes, so that's that's what I did in South Africa, and then when I I was recruited to New Zealand by a company um, to do bone research. Um, as a bone physiologist and then most of my work was around dairy of course uh, cow's milk and you would be familiar with my work on and milk that's been published widely in a uh, because the studies were done in five asian countries where we looked at the changes in bone biomarkers with um, four to eight or 12 weeks of supplementation with a high calcium vitamin d fortified milk which is called and which is from fontera so that's what I did in New Zealand, and yes, so since the dairy, we've we've diverged a little bit, so we've diverged a little bit into um, other nutrients. Um, and we also have diverged now more recently, the past three or four years into gut health and changes in gut that can affect calcium absorption or bone. Um, and so the most recent study, uh, which my postdoc is just finishing off um, and writing up, was done with uh, supplementation of probiotics, lactobacillus, and prebiotics, um, Synergy 1 from ARAFTI in women over a three-month period of time. And she measured bone biomarkers and she measured health indicators like um, cholesterol and things like that, as well as inflammatory markers. And also took samples for gut micro microbiome analysis. Um, that's still ongoing because it's it's complicated. Um, but we're hoping that the first results of this will come out um, soon.
0: Yeah, I see that. You know, it the 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 types of nutrients that you research on has uh, evolved, has changed, right, over the course of of the many years, like from calcium. Today we, and also now it's like pre-probiotics, which is one of the hottest uh, topics, I would say, nowadays. Yeah, so how do you, uh, you know, decide what are the types of nutrients, what are the, the types of functional ingredients that you want to research about and that that could be uh, beneficial for bone health? means where the money is going to come
1: from.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's uh, so with funny. the
1: with the um um, so Pamu, of course, is dairy. So it follows on my long history of doing dairy research, and they were referred to me because I have done all the dairy research for Montera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the green shell mussel um, that came just. We were, I was introduced to a group, and we decided to all come together and do these applications. Now, of course, the green shell muscle primary outcomes were not bone. Um, it was osteoarthritis and biomarkers of osteoarthritis. Um, and that's all been published now, so you, may, you would have, may have seen the press releases around those. There was just a new one out this past week. Um, the interest in pre and probiotics comes from the postdoc's PhD, so she did a cross-sectional study, and um, I was interested in the microbiome, and if there's any relationship with bone at all. and so she did a cross-sectional study and she had bone density measurements of 125 women and their dietary intakes and she collected bloods for biomarkers as well as fecal samples for, for the gut microbes and what she found preliminary data and that's published in JBMR, is that the profile the diversity of the mic- microbiome is different in women with osteoporosis versus women with healthy bones um, and so that triggered some more interest. And there's a lot of papers coming out on this in this area now, especially from China, loads of papers. And so it's a really hot topic as well. Um, but then uh, the study that the postdoc did, it's called the COPE study. So it was the combination of pre and probiotics, and then the control group melted dextrin, and they all had to do uh, 7,000 steps a day. So, she combined the steps together with the and probiotics and the primary outcome, the inflammatory markers versus the bone markers and so on. Um, So, that's how we ended up with the and probiotics. And of course, uh, Fonterra has trademarked probiotics that's been manufactured in New Zealand. And so, we used one of the Fonterra trademarked probiotics.
0: I see, I see. all right. So uh, I would also like to find out, you know what could be some of the common misconceptions that people have when it comes to bone health and um and nutrition. You know throughout your years of research, maybe you have found some findings that um that are in contrary to you know common uh, common understanding, common beliefs, yeah uh,
1: not really. One thing that I've, I've picked up is that people think when they finish growing, so they adults they don't need the calcium um and the protein anymore and um it the new thing of all the fad is all the all the vegetable based, based milks now, like almond and oat milk and whatever yeah. um. Yeah. And what people don't realize is that those milks, it's fine. People can use those, but they're not fortified if they they need to be fortified. Otherwise, they don't contain actually any any important nutrition. Um, And so, it's important if people decide to be vegan or vegetarian, that they select the milk and make sure that it has um, some fortification with calcium and phosphorus and vitamins, um, possibly, Um, and that. Could be just as good as drinking cow's milk, although I don't think I should say that. Um, um, not. I know there's been research done overseas in which they refute that cow, that milk is good for bones, but okay. I've not really been exposed to that. I mean, in New Zealand, we're very much a dairy country, so mm. we assume. Dairy is good for your bones, and especially in children, I've shown in a study I did a few years ago in children, kids uh, aged six to 10 years old, we looked at the effect of um, milk in schools. So years ago, New Zealand had milk in schools and then they stopped it. And then Fonterra brought it back maybe three years ago. And um, this time it was in a Tetra pack, not a bottle. And so it could be refrigerated and it was much nicer. And so mm-hmm. we looked at the impact of this extra milk in school with in children that were participating in the program versus children that, that did not receive the extra milk. You know, the schools could decide whether they want to participate or not. And we interestingly mm-hmm. found that, so we did do whole body composition and bone density. We didn't take bloods because that I don't want to take blood with kitties, and we did show, especially in the girls, that the, over a one year, there was a one-year study, that over this year, there was a, an improvement in their bone mineral density growth um, in, a, in a whole body. Um, yeah, so, that yeah, that was interesting. One wouldn't think that a small, I think it's 200 moles, it's not a massive dose per day, could, make, could have a, a significant effect.
0: Mm, I see. I see. So it has um. You know, benefits for people young and old, right? For kids who are still growing, and also even for adults, and e- even into the old age. That's the that's the benefits of of the um dairy products on dairy on bone products. Health.
1: Yes, yes. Not mm. necessarily just milk, but uh, yogurt and cheese. Any. Because a mm. lot of the elderly cannot digest the milk, you know, pure milk as such anymore. So, therefore, cheese and yogurt would be much easier um, to consume.
0: I see, I see. Yeah, could you also share what are some of the ongoing or upcoming research projects that you have when it comes to bone health and nutrition? I'm diverging
1: a little bit with mm. a new new study um, and looking at fermented foods. Um and the effect of fermented foods um, and so more plant protein type of, of diet um, mm-hmm. versus, and then looking at the metabolic markers. But this study has not been 100% planned. So that's just in the back of my mind. And I'm um, also, um, I have applied for funding to do a study on vegan and vegetarian children. Um, I'm Don't know if, um, yeah, it depends whether it's funded or not. So just cause, There was one study done overseas in Poland, I think, where they looked at these children, either meat eaters omnivores versus vegetarian and vegan, and the vegan and vegetarian actually did have uh, improved cardiovascular health, Um, but the children that were eating more protein had better bones, so it's not, you know, the purpose of the study is not to criticise that people change the children's diet, but just to make sure that, the, you know, that whats what they're taking is healthy and can support their, still their growth and development.
0: Mm, like a balanced diet, right? So yes. there's benefits to taking vegetarian, vegan products, and at the same time, they also need to take note of their protein intake. That's right, right. yes. Yeah, so like the two upcoming research projects that you are interested in, I see that they are very much linked to uh, plant-based products, vegetarian. Seems
1: to be the world, that seems to be the way the world's going,
0: isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's quite true. I do see quite a lot of uh, products coming out from from these uh, areas and, you know, people are advocating for this type of lifestyle. I would say it's uh, not just, you know, taking the product but also adopting that kind of lifestyle it would yeah.
1: be interesting Mike, one of my colleagues has is has done a study in adults vegan and vegetarian adults and looking at looking at bone but that's still you know that data is still being collected so that'll be an interesting one to see also how you know if there's any if if being on a vegan diet for a long period of time could result in low bone density one doesn't know but i mean they they did lots of dietary analysis, dietary patterns, as well as bone density and body composition. So it could bring out quite a lot of really interesting data, but that will probably be a week towards the end of this year.
0: I see. I see. Yeah, I think these would contribute to the understanding that we have about you know the uh, vegan lifestyle and what could be uh, you know needed for for yes. the diet to be even better for it to be even more balanced. Yeah. There's different
1: choices. I mean, people just mm. need different choices and can still have a balanced diet, but just choose differently.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yes, yeah. So we have come to the end of this podcast interview. Thank you so much, Prof Kruger, for taking the time again, you know, uh, on your off day, on the public holiday to speak with me. <laughs> uh, That's yes. no problem. Yes. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to Nutra champion on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also head to Nutri-ingredients-asia.com for more content and news on the nutrition industry.